How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Ryan. Today, we're talking about a mock trade that was very interesting. We dropped it on the social media channels. It's for Dylan Cease of the Chicago White Sox. Obviously, Dylan Cease, a lot of control, really good pitcher, a lot of upside coming off a relatively down year, but you know the upside is substantial. If you're going to go out and acquire a player of this magnitude, it's going to cost, and it's not going to cost you a little. It's going to cost you a whole hell of a lot. So when looking at what the Yankees would have to give, we're talking about a top pitching prospect and top outfield prospect and then some. So, you know, this is going to be an interesting debate. We're going to talk about kind of, I think Ryan and I are on the same page here. The deal is fair, but it's not something that we're willing to do. Like, I think I want to get that clear right off the bat. Like, it's a fair deal because of how valuable Dylan Cease is. But in terms of actually doing it, that's a whole different discussion. So, Ryan, before we dive into the good stuff, how do you do today, my friend? So, you know, ultimately, yeah, I'm doing well, um, but this is, like, I, I think this episode is more about, hey, guys, so if you want the Yankees to trade for Dylan Cease or, you know, go out and trade for, I mean, I'm trying to think of some other, I mean, Corbin Burns might cost a little bit less, but not by much. Um, you know, if you want to get one of these top-of-the-line, you know, multi-years of control starters, it's going to cost, like, they're going to ask for Jason Dominguez. They're, they're not walking, um, they're not walking away from a, a Dylan Cease trade at the Yankees uh, without one of Jason Dominguez or Spencer Jones. And I, I know that people may not like to hear this or people may not agree with this, um, but uh, Alex, let's be real here. Spencer Jones and Jason Dominguez are valued very similarly. So if, if the Yankees are like, we don't want to part ways with Spencer Jones, the White Sox are going to spin around and say, no, well, we're going to want Jason Dominguez then. And if the Yankees aren't willing to play ball, they're not going to make a deal. Like, other teams are involved in this sweepstakes. The Baltimore Orioles are probably better set up to make this deal. So the Yankees are underdogs in the first place. The Yankees would have to make an offer they're not comfortable um, They're not comfortable with. You know, like, I, I don't think the New York Yankees are a team that should be making this type of trade because I think they could find value elsewhere. Um, but, yeah, like, this is going to be a fair offer. Like, if the Yankees made this offer, I'm not even sure that it would be the best offer on the table. I, I would argue that... There is a chance, and it's a sliver of a chance, that the Orioles could top that offer if they really wanted to. Or even the Red Sox could try to top that offer if they wanted to. You know, it, it, it's a market that is definitely um, very, very uh, robust. I know that the, the Braves pulled themselves out of that market because of how, um, you know, crazy the bidding was getting, and they didn't really have the prospects for it. But I would say the, the Braves don't really have the trade capital that seems like the Yankees, the Orioles, or Red Sox do. I think the Yankees are much closer to teams like Baltimore in terms of trade capital. Um, but... End of the day, I mean, Alex, this is kind of my my warning, my red alert, my, hey, guys, just want you guys to know, you're, the Yankees are probably not trading for Dylan Cease. Like, not probably. They're definitely not trading for Dylan Cease. I expect them to be involved. I expect them to do their due diligence. That's the mark of a good GM. If Brian Cashman just didn't try, I would feel weird about that. You know, even with Yamamoto, you know, they felt like that was their guy and that they were going to get him. Then they kind of realized, all right, the Dodgers offered 325, and he does. He seems pretty intent on going there, and that's how things went. You know, I, I think the biggest thing that you know I overlooked in uh, my analysis of missing out on Yamamoto was yes, Soto was the most important player to get this winter, but it created a lot of uncertainty around what the Yankees would do. This is kind of the first time in a while. Like I know left field last year, the Yankees didn't do anything. But it never really felt like the Yankees were like walking into the offseason with a guy they wanted to get in left field and then missed on them. I think they kind of knew that they were going to have a vacuum in left field. This time around, I feel like the Yankees are just a little bit lost in terms of like, hey, what are we going to do in the rotation? And like, what are we going to end up doing to make those improvements and to get better? Um, Andy Martino reported the Yankees are expected to have an active January. They're expected to be into the Blake Snell market. 
Alex, I don't know what exactly they're going to do at this point in time, but, you know, trading Jason Dominguez, trading Chase Hampton, trading Will Warren, and trading Brock Selvage for Dylan Cease doesn't really seem like that's what they're going to do. He's also here for two years, so you're going to have to pay him eventually, right? And he's a Scott Boris client. He's going to cost a lot of money, and I'm going to be honest with you, he's not signing an extension, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I'm throwing the idea away that he's going to sign an extension. So we're sitting here, we're saying, hey, we're trading for just two years of Dylan Cease. You're not getting anything more of that. You can't guarantee anything more of that. Um, and, and for that reason, I think the Yankees would never make that offer. But in the same vein, it's a fair, it, it's weird. It's a fair offer, but the Yankees shouldn't make it. Is that, that, that's weird. It's like the Jesus Lazardo situation. Yeah, the Marlins, it's fair if they ask for Spencer Jones and Austin Wells. But the Yankees shouldn't make that offer. Does that makes if that makes any sense. It does make sense, and the way I would describe it is this. You're mortgaging your future for a guy that's going to be gone in two years, most likely, you know, or he signs an extension, but you know, he's coming off a relatively down season. Like This is the reality of the situation. Jason Dominguez, and I mean, Boone's already said it, the guy has all the tools. We saw it in live action. Eight games, four homers. He had, a, he had basically had Tommy John surgery, needed it before he even went down. Um, you know, he was feeling that d- discomfort and he was still hitting homers. <laughs> Freaking Justin Freilander, for what it's worth. Um, Dominguez is going to be our future center fielder, or, or at least our future left fielder. You know, he'll, he'll plug the position that Verdugo leaves behind inevitably if he walks next offseason. Um, Dominguez could be something truly, truly special. I don't want to give up on that personally. I know a lot of people say, well, you're prospect hugging, blah, blah, blah. We have, look, I'm okay trading prospects. In fact, I like value, I like leveraging their value. But we've held on to Dominguez through thick and thin and every single thing in between. We did. We refused to treat him to, for Luis Castillo. We refused to train him for all these guys. And at the and at the one yard line, when we're finally about to get him, finally about to see his worth and what he can be at 20 years old, we decide to move him. It doesn't make logical sense to me. At this point, I'm invested in the story of the Martian to see what he can be. Um, I don't want to get rid of him. And then on top of it, Chase Hampton, who has been considered our number one pitching prospect for quite a while now. I mean, a lot, a lot of people will have Drew Thorpe over him, but Chase Hampton's right up there. This kid could be something really freaking good. Some people think he can make an impact this upcoming season, if not in 2025 as a starter. You know, Will Warren has the impact, the potential impact to be a starter, a spot starter, if a, a back-end rotation guy, if not a bullpen arm this upcoming season, and make an impact too. And then you have and then throw in Brock Selvage, who, you know, obviously is more of a more of a toss-in than anything else, but still a decent prospect with some upside. You know, I, I personally think Warren, like, I, look, the, the trade may be fair, but I think it's too much for the Yankees to give away having just given away so many players. You know what I mean? We've already shredded our farm for Juan Soto and Alex Verdugo. Are we really going to do us even do more damage and, and part ways with Jason and part ways, you know, the future, one of the future pieces in the outfield and part ways with Chase Hampton and Will Warren, two pitches who we need. We desperately need to be, have MLB value. I don't think that it's it, it makes sense for us especially Ryan. Look, Dylan Cease is better than Montgomery, or he has the upside to be better. He has the upside to be better than Shane Bieber. He has the upside to be better than anybody that that, that we could target right now. But, but we could just spend money on Blake Snell, who just won the NL Cy Young Award. And, and that's what you just kind of mentioned. The report's saying that he would not be opposed to coming to the Yankees, and maybe they could find a, a, a shorter deal with an out, or maybe a six-year deal with an out after the third season. You know, we'll see how they kind of construct that. Or just bring back Montgomery and give him what he what he wants, and then you end up keeping the Yankees have the financial flexibility. You don't need to go get Dylan Cease. You could keep your prospects and just sign a player, and you're going to get a lot of value out of Montgomery and Snell next year. Like they're both coming off their best seasons ever, right? Both of them, best seasons they've ever produced. So you're going to get good value from them, at least in the short term. 
Um, Dylan Cease, like, look, if you're going to get good value from Montgomery and Snell over the next two years, that's all you really need to know because Dylan Cease could walk after the next two years anyway because that because his deal will be over. He'll be done. You know what I mean? He'll be done in arbitration. He'll be looking at free agency. So I think logically, I don't really buy into the Dylan Cease like blockbuster deal. If it was like a more reasonable thing and there was nobody else available, I'd say yes. Like, okay, if we have no choice, sure. But we have choices still. We still have Monty. We still have Snell. We can still go get Shane Bieber. You know, we can, I mean, like you said, Burns is going to be, is going to cost less. And Ryan, for what it's worth, I'm, I don't want to trade for Corbin Burns right now. You want to know what I want to do? I want to wait until the freaking trade deadline and see if he costs a lot freaking less than he does right now. And, and then make sure he's healthy, you know, for when that time comes around. I'd much rather wait until the deadline to, and, and if, you know, I, I think we'll still be in well within playoff contention by then. Um, you know, wait until then and then make that move for Corbin Burns, who's now going to be a um, a three-month rental. He's not going to cost you uh, Spencer Jones and Hampton and plus some. He's going to cost you a lot less because, you know, he's probably not going to sign. He could, he, could, he could end up just signing, um, you know, a deal back with the Guardians and, and then the Yankees give up prospects. That's how these things go sometimes. So, you know, what are you thinking about this in terms of spending the money, just investing money, and then waiting until the trade deadline to try and get a guy like like a Shane Bieber or a Burns at a far less cost in terms of prospect um, allocations. Yeah, um, I'm all for the idea that look, you know, and and I I've always been a little bit skeptical of signing Blake Snell, and I still am. Like there are a lot of things that I'm like, eh, you know what I mean? Like I don't love the fact that he hasn't pitched great, like really deep into games. I don't love the fact that there's not the greatest track record of making starts consistently. Although it has been pointed out on social media that, you know, some of the injuries, like he dropped furniture on his foot and that's why I missed some starts. He had COVID, like stuff that he can't necessarily control. I am a little less like, you know, I guess I'm a little less resentful, not resentful. That's a very, that's not the word I'm looking for. I guess I'm a little less against the idea of giving a long-term deal, but I still am like on the side of, I would not give him a long-term deal. I would like to give him a deal that's a little bit shorter term. Maybe you go four years and maybe you give him an opt-out in years one or two, something similar to Correa's deal. And by the way, Correa signed that like three-year weird deal with the twins. They had a first-year opt-out. He signed that while being a Scott Boris client. So, you know, it's not like Scott Boris is against it. And then ultimately, you know, Alex, as you mentioned, it just costs you money and a couple of draft picks because of the because of the qualifying offer. But it does cost you just money, right? And as you mentioned, like if you go to the deadline, you can better address your needs to the trade market. You keep that young nucleus of great prospects in your farm system. You know, if you can reload next year, and you know, you got for the long term for, for the next three or four years, you have a rotation. We have Cole and Snell anchoring the top of your rotation. You still have Chase Hampton, Will Warren on the wings, who could be ready this year. Late this year for Hampton, it could be later in the year. Warren, he might be ready as soon as opening day. Um, but for the next three years, you have those two guys who can factor into your rotation. Um, you know, you have guys in your farm system. You know, three years from now, Roderick Arias should be on the stepping stones of like, hey, this guy's right there in terms of major league impact. You expect you expect Spencer Jones to have made his major league debut. You expect you know guys like Jason Volpe, uh, Wells to have kind of started to you know become established major league players. Um, and, and honestly, like Alex, you, you have a young nucleus of, of, of cost control position players. You have a young nucleus of cost controlled pitchers. You have, you know, an organization that potentially has a World Series by then, too. It removes a lot of pressure from the organization, I think. You know, there's less, I guess, franticness, right? Like, 
I'm not saying the Yankees wouldn't have traded for Juan Soto if they made the playoffs, but I feel like you and I would be a little less like antsy about the Yankees need to make moves or the Yankees even needing to get Juan Soto in the first place had they not missed the playoffs last year. Not saying I was rooting for them to miss the playoffs. I, I always want my team to make the postseason. Um, but more so to say that, not that the urgency would be gone, but the pressure to, to um, make moves that are risky and that are to make moves that can get people fired is gone. And another big thing for me is... You know, if you have a ring, I mean, you put up a world, you get a World Series title, those fly forever, right? Like, we can sit here and talk about the long-term impact. We can talk about, you know, in year six, what does this team look like? You know, how they pay certain guys. Um, you know, how certain guys are going to age, whatever. But, I mean, Alex, I if in 2030 we're an 85-win team, I'm not going to really care. Um, and they've shown an, an ability to develop young players, even in contention windows. You know, we're talking about guys like Dominguez, Volpe, Wells. Those are three guys who were drafted or signed and developed during the window in which the Yankees were consistently winning the AL East or consistently, you know, finishing in the top five in wins. And, you know, they've been one of the four or five best teams in terms of win percentage over that stretch in time. Good organizations can develop talent even while they're winning. Um, and the Yankees have done an excellent job of that. You know, I, I can only speak to, to say that there are a lot of people in that Yankee organization who, you know, other teams would have loved to pick up. Uh, in terms of coaches, we just saw, you know, Grayson Crawford, the double-A hitting coach, get hired by the New York Mets to be their triple-A hitting coach, uh, pitching coach, excuse me. Um, you know, this is an organization that has a lot of bright young minds in their organization. Obviously, Matt Blake, Sam Breen, they're smart guys. I love the inclusion of James Rosen. I think he's going to add some balance in terms of getting more buy-in. Um, and then ultimately, like, now you, you cultivate a culture of winning and you cultivate a culture of player development, spending, sustainable winning, uh, title contention. That's the kind of thing that, you know, brings back the allure of the Bronx. What makes New York special, what makes the Yankees special, what makes the pinstripe special, it's not the brand, it's not just the logo, it's not just the uniform, it's the tradition of winning, it's the continued tradition of winning, it's the sustainable success, it's the fact that I am 19 years old and I've never seen a team below 500, below 500 for the New York Yankees. Alex, I'm pretty sure you haven't seen, yeah, you have not seen a below 500 team. We're both adults, like we're both full-on adults, uh, maturity-wise, maybe not an adult on my end, but, you know, in terms of age, we're both adults and we've never seen a below 500 Yankee team. That is the allure of the Bronx. It's the ability to win. And Blake Snell wants to play for a win-now team. Blake Snell, this is a quick pitch to you. If you want to win a World Series title, if you want to boost your market, if you want to be, you know, up there with the best pitchers, uh, the best hitters, the best players to ever play this game and don the pinstripes and win World Series title, that happens here, right? Like, if you want to go play for the fucking Angels and suck for six years, sure. If you want to go play for the Giants and win 84 games and, you know, be the bride, uh, you know, be the, the groom but never the, the, or the bride but never the bridesmaid or whatever that expression is, finish checking on every big free agent, sure. If you want to get pounded by the Dodgers every five days, sure, you know. But if you want to be the top dog, if you want to play on the best team in the world, uh, you want to form the best team in the world, and you want to contend every single year, happens in New York. Don't worry about San Francisco. Don't worry about Anaheim. Come to New York. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens here, my friends. Definitely the interesting mock trade on Dylan Cease. Love to hear perspectives on that. I think it's a fair deal, but we're not on board for it for obvious reasons. Uh, just kind of mortgaging your future even further, and there's still options out there that will just cost money or far less capital, like a Shane Bieber. And then we can wait until the trade deadline and see you know, if there's anyone available for a much more affordable cost and price. Um, so always happy to hear perspectives down below in the YouTube comment section. Make sure to like and subscribe, as always. I'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.